We're getting fed infinite amounts of information uh, in the virtual world. None of my psychotherapy patients say I can't relax or not get triggered and no one says I'm unable to regulate my emotions at times they say I'm exhausted I need to catch up on sleep the constant drive for achievement results in a desire to detach the question really seems to be is this real or is this fake that's what dissociation falls into that dichotomy Consciousness, the notion of the self, personality structure, transactional analysis, symbiosis, Zen Buddhism, teacher-student, relationships, training yourself in how to think. To subvert is to undermine the existing system of inscribed power and authority. What's happening in the digital space? The virtual world. Much of us live in a hyper-stimulated present where language itself has become the info currency in the sequence of corporate capitalism. The injunction of the virtual world is... The gatekeepers of our speech and written word are global tech monopolies. We cannot transcend or go beyond our lack through craving. What are we going to do? How are we going to live our life? The subversive therapist is about what the virtual world is doing to us and what we can do about it. Welcome to the subversive therapist. I'm Andrew Archer. Thanks for tuning in. I want to start with a quote from Byung-Chul Han his book, The Expulsion of the Other, is the title of the book. This is a quote from him. The digital order causes an increasing disembodiment of the world. Today, there is less and less communication between bodies. So I want to talk a little bit about dissociation and tie that in with the virtual world and a specific story that we can make sense of it because more and more of my psychotherapy patients enter my office stating that they're suffering from dissociation or being disconnected from their thoughts feelings or sense of identity and they're unable to really access their own sensory data including feelings and so i kind of wonder if there's an internal if this sort of internal disconnect is related to our hyperconnection you know another book by Han is called hyperculture so we're getting fed infinite amounts of information uh, in the virtual world and the reason I'm thinking about this is because none of my psychotherapy patients say I can't relax or not get triggered and no one says I'm unable to regulate my emotions at times they say I'm exhausted I need to catch up on sleep the constant drive for achievement results in a desire to detach because really we just want to be connected with bodies we want to play but they'll say things like nothing seems real or everything feels fake um, and why is this you know Pyeongchul Han says we live in an age of exhaustion burnout and hyperactivity and this is a, due to an excess of positivity and achievement focus. You know, we're all basically these entrepreneurs, this expert. Um, and so the question really um, seems to be, um, is this real or is this fake? That's what, what dissociation falls into that dichotomy. Um, and they're they're reflecting on you know is my experience real but the virtual world 
it's a virtual culture. Um, <clears throat> so would it not make sense for people's real world experiences to start to feel fake? I mean, there is this uh, phenomenon of the Truman Show delusion and just in the last, you know, 20 years or so, people uh, present in psychiatric situations feeling like they're the the main character in a fictitious um, reality that they're they're in actually all of their friends and families are actors they're not real they're just playing along uh, this manufactured manufactured um, situation that's being broadcast everywhere so they're like uh, the center of this big kind of conspiracy but it's based off of the the movie the Truman Show where uh, Jim Carrey's character Truman was adopted in utero by this television corporation and so everything is uh, scripted and it's uh, manufactured all the people that he experiences are actors so that's what this uh, delusion is for people is they think everything is is fake so that's kind of what I want to get at and I wrote some stuff down uh, about this this book I read last year called Terminal Boredom which just on the surface I think speaks to the virtual world is that we're perpetually bored and want to be stimulated and so we go online to deal with this boredom but it actually doesn't deal with the boredom because as soon as you get off uh, the smartphone or the tablet, the computer, you realize you're still bored. It just suspends the boredom. And so that's what I think of when I when I see the words terminal boredom. It's like virtual world is just suspending that boredom. It doesn't actually resolve it or deal with it at all. So this is a Japanese writer, Izumi Suzuki. Um, it's a dystopian short story. So it's a the book is a collection of her uh, short stories uh, because most of them were written in the 80s, but this was translated and came out, I think, um, last year. So it's a dystopian short story set in the future, and she wrote this just before she um, committed suicide in 1986. So it was the last story that she wrote. Uh, feeling good and pleasure are the pathos of the culture. Described the main character is a misanthropic young female who is unemployed and living with her mother who is divorced from her father The tale begins as she meets her ex-boyfriend at the subway Neither her or the ex-boyfriend have a sense of smell or taste Which is why the narrator believes that kids those days do not care to eat and why their quote everyday lives feel like a scene from a TV show There are scores of unemployed young people loitering the streets flying police ships ensure that there are not groups of 20 people congregating together to against the law. They're ticketed if they are organizing, and in extreme cases, a mechanical arm propels out of the aircraft and grabs the person. The young female repeatedly states how she needs something to look at and she cannot relax unless the television screen is on. Obviously, insert smartphone here. Every down second we have, we look at the screen. She'll typically watch TV all day in her room alone. Being with people is exhausting to her. Her only drive is to avoid pain. Here's a quote. Comfort, feeling good, that's all that matters. And I almost never get to feel that way. I'm always just bored. 
Television eases the boredom only in the sense that it allows her to dissociate or space out with minimal effort. Another quote, because I don't have to be active. Doing anything of my own volition is so painful that I can't handle it. If I can just avoid that pain, that's enough for me. What is slowly revealed in Terminal Boredom is that the main character's ex-boyfriend has had a new surgery done whereby his real-world experience becomes a TV show, and when he is asleep, he feels more, quote-unquote, real. Her mother explains to her how it works, so here's a quote. What is slowly revealed in Terminal Boredom is that the main character's ex-boyfriend has had a new surgery done whereby his real-world experience becomes a TV show, and when he is asleep, he feels more real. The girl's mother explains to her how it works. Uh, she worked in the, or works in the TV industry and advertising in the story. You're aware that if you stimulate a certain part of the brain, it produces a sense of euphoria, right? Now they have a device that links the subject directly to a television. When the monitor is turned on, it begins to stimulate the brain. The subject no longer has to flip the switch each time. Instead, a weak electrical current is transmitted automatically at appropriate intervals. The ex-boyfriend uh, tells the girl later how this is a new coping mechanism and it flips reality into television and television into reality, which by default makes the quote-unquote eye of the body redundant. You're dissociated from oneself. Shock is sublimated and self-deception is the tool to suppress emotions or affect. He says, all the shitty stuff stops bothering you, like you realize that there's a simple way of dealing with everything that's been weighing on you up till now. You can just tack on an illogical ending to the story, like a Das Ex Machina for life. Reality feels like a TV show, and TV shows feel like reality. It's like the boundary between them breaks down, like you're living in a dream. So the young female and the ex-boyfriend are conversing in a public area when they hear a series of dull thuds coming from behind them. A man was repeatedly bludgeoning a defenseless woman to death with a heavy object. The woman, covered in blood, screams and collapses. As the ex-boyfriend gazes at the scene, he comments on how quote-unquote vivid it is. He says, That was so intense. I was rooted to the spot, almost like it was the real thing. Unaware of his procedure that renders the real world a television show, she informs him that what happened was actually real. The ex-boyfriend describes how he puts a frame around all that he sees to make the experience quote-unquote seem fresh in order for him to quote relax as a viewer. The real world becomes a virtual world for him to participate in as his own perception. He says, man, I haven't felt this amped in ages. That really wasn't staged, huh? Where are the TV cameras? I want my mom to see this. A bystander recorded an amateur video of what took place and the ex-boyfriend asked him for a copy of the video. As the title implies, this future society is plagued by perpetual uh, boredom and exhaustion. Competition requires constant thrill and stimulation, while rejuvenation occurs with cooperation or symbiotic relations. Terminal boredom fantasizes the long tale of hyper-individualism, where the railing, excuse me, where the reigning maladies are exhaustion, boredom, and dissociation. Why? To solely manage oneself by oneself is alienation from other, or like Han's book title, expulsion of the other. 
In the short story, the advertisements for the psychosurgery are littered with messages such as feel good and happiness is within your reach. These hedonistic pursuits are situated within an ideological notion of self-actualization and are in conflict with relational cooperation. Everything is celebrated through the lens of egotism. My life, my desire. It is no wonder that depression and specifically anhedonia or the absence of pleasure is the dominant psychological presentation of our time. Franco Berardi in his book Heroes that I think I've mentioned uh, on this podcast before, uh, very interesting book, very good book, very dark, um, writes about the extended exposure to virtual flows of information in the context of mass murderers and suicide. Electronic or digital stimulation, here's a quote from Berardi, produces the effect of desensitization to the bodily experience of suffering and of pleasure. Therefore, like the individuals in terminal boredom, he goes on, the virtualization of lived experience, or in my words, the virtual world, both assages the pain, um, he says, resulting from rejection, isolation, and mockery, and also exaggerates, here's a quote, the inability to relate to others and to distinguish between fantasy and reality in the social sphere. So here we're at the Truman Show delusion. Is this, are people just paid actors in, in this fake world where uh, my experience is actually just being recorded and broadcast everywhere? Well, in a way, your Instagram and Snapchat stories are, you know, your Truman Show that you're creating uh, for everybody all the time. I didn't write that down, but it just came to mind here. Uh, this dissociation is not only between the individual and the other, but a dissociation within us. A common pattern among mass shooters, such as James Holmes, uh, that was the guy in Colorado, uh, who brutalized moviegoers during the premiere of a Batman movie, is alexthymia. This condition is, and this is Berardi's words, the inability to recognize and describe one's own feelings, which is an extreme form of unempathy that terminates not just empathic processes, but, quote, also blurs and attenuates emotional self-perception, transforming human beings, quote, into a sort of automaton or robot. People become actors in a television show, and everyone wants to win the prize of being the star, even if that means shooting up a movie theater. Or in the case of terminal boredom, the young female and her ex-boyfriend kill his impregnated ex-girlfriend in a homicidal act of solidarity. That kind of blows the uh, the ending for you. But the other the other interesting aspect of um, this short story, which I highly recommend, is just how narcissistic the characters are. For example, uh, the the girl in the story asks asks this ex boyfriend, "Okay, then, do you like me?" And he says, "Sure, I like you." You know that. She says, like how? He says, like I like myself. And she says, that's one hell of an answer. So, you know, living within a TV show, I mean, that's basically uh, the kind of metaphor that has become reality with this transparent society, everything recorded, everything 
streamed live, you have access to it. So why wouldn't uh, dissociation be the predominant uh, quote unquote symptom of our time? Because the virtual world, we're actually dissociated from my body. I haven't been thinking about my body at all during this uh, recording of the podcast. It's all what's coming up in my head. How am I going to say it, etc. And so when we're online, we are by default uh, dissociated because it doesn't feel like I'm a person sitting in front of a computer operating the computer. I become the cursor, the uh, the movement, the animation on the screen. Uh, that's why it feels good because we're not connected with the body. That's also why people get addicted to painkillers because it's a form of dissociation. It's like a consciousness gets shaken up, uh, you know, disconnected uh, from the body based on um, the chemicals that connect with our brain with um, things like Oxycontin, Vicodin, that kind of thing. It's dissociation. It turns out actually, um, you know, they've done comparisons. If you took Oxycontin or uh, Prozac, actually Oxycontin would work better for depression. Nobody ever says that or they don't talk about that and what's so sad with all of the overdoses and things happening, especially in the United States, is people are miserable and they're turning to that to heal their suffering. And it actually does temporarily um, help with the, the psychological things um, going on. Obviously, they're uh, highly addictive and dangerous in lots of um, ways. But I, I think most psychotropic drugs, the effect is this subtle form of uh, dissociation. And then you kind of look at things uh, differently because you're not, you know, uh, armored, as William Reich would say, your your body is um, not experiencing the same kind of tension and musculature processes and that kind of thing. All right, so that's terminal boredom. You know, we have to put a screen around everything we look at. We're, we're constantly just exhausted and tired and, you know, have no volition whatsoever. Um, Izumi Suzuki, uh, excellent writer. The whole book is very good, but that last um, story, Terminal Boredom, uh, was literally uh, her last. So you can actually, of course, hear echoes of her own suffering within that story. But if there's, a, of course, a silver lining to all that, it really speaks to uh, the kind of malady of our time. All right. Well, thanks so much. Uh, for listening, and I will talk to you soon.